So Kevin spent a couple weeks uh, talking about intentional evangelism, and um, now I'm going to jump in, and we're going to spend the next four weeks talking about how to disciple someone, how to help them as they start to grow. So uh, we've kind of called the whole thing getting started, um, and so often I think we, we can get far away from these sort of conversations and relationships, and it's actually not helping us. Um, if you'll keep taking steps forward, uh, God will grow you. It's amazing if you've ever spent any time with someone as they're coming to faith in Christ or as they're beginning their walk with the Lord and you start spending time with them, it actually has a deep impact on you as well. Uh, it's not just you helping somebody. It actually has a deep impact on your own relationship with the Lord. And so that's uh, kind of where we're headed from here. Kevin's couple weeks were on the good news not being about you. And that's always a good thing to remind ourselves of, right? That uh, really when we get uh, self-conscious and fearful and we're really making our sharing of Jesus about us. And um, so appreciated that. And then last week he helped us with this survey. Um, how many of you are here last week? Just so I can see, show of hands. Okay. Um, I, I did this survey with Luke um, back towards the back and uh, I was terrified because by nature, I'm, these sort of things terrify me. Like, I don't know if you're ever in a group and somebody goes, okay, now we're going to do a group exercise. And I'm like, and I'm going to exercise out in the back. You know, some of you are like, great, we're going to get to talk to people. And I'm like, oh, no. Right? But it was really neat as Luke and I worked through it. Like, it was helpful. Um, it is long. Okay? So you don't have to go through every question with someone. It's really meant to be a tool. It's meant to help you open up a discussion and talk to someone about what they believe and really do a lot of listening at the beginning and then see what doors God opens and walk through them. Um, but hopefully that's a good tool for you. If you would like to get a copy of this and you weren't here last week or you would like another copy, just let me know and we will get that to you. Um, and again, it's just, it's just one idea. How many of you carry tracks? Like you just carry those with you when you have opportunities. I figured Steve was going to raise his hand. I was counting on that. Nice work, Steve. Um, just find a tool that works, right? Maybe you just carry a little Bible with you all the time. You know, not the one you bring to church maybe, but just one that you're ready with. Um, there are lots and lots of good tools. I think the, the bottom line point is be ready and use the tools. Have the conversations. Don't wait till you have the perfect door up that opens or don't wait till the perfect moment. Those pretty much don't exist. Just step through and talk to people and be ready to talk to them about Jesus. And so that's really um, where Kevin was the last couple weeks. And so now we want to move into uh, this idea of how do we help someone grow. And, and the reason I showed the baby's walking video at the beginning is you have to remember that um, when a person first trusts Christ, they are a lot like a baby who's never walked. Right? When, when babies learn to walk, they stumble, they fall, they scratch up their knees. And we're not like, why aren't you walking yet? We expect it to be a natural part of the process. And so we should expect as we have these opportunities to just walk together. I was struck as I was watching the video of moms how encouraging they were. Right? Like when a baby's learning to walk, you're just like cheering, cheering, cheering. And when someone comes to faith in Christ and you're starting to help them walk as a Christian, you're cheering, cheering, cheering. And you're just, you're walking through that road with them. So Matthew chapter 28, why do we go down this road? I thought it would be good to just mention the elephants in the room. I get it that all of us are afraid. I get it that we feel insufficient. I get it that we recognize our own sense of weakness and failure, that we probably don't have enough time. Maybe you've tried and failed before, 
right? There are like a hundred good reasons not to become involved in this process with someone, but I'm telling you, you should. One of our core values is committed discipleship. Committed discipleship is a lifelong process of becoming more like Christ and helping others do the same. We want believers of all ages to grow in grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. With the help of God's Spirit, we lovingly commit ourselves to following Christ and helping other believers mature in Christ-likeness. This sounds like right out of Hebrews. We will provoke one another to love and good works through biblical preaching and teaching and life example. All of us will do that. It is, it is our desperate desire that this not become a church where you're like, I hope my pastor does that with somebody. Man, we elected those deacons. I hope they'll do that. But that we each... Do you recognize that there are some of you who will better connect with people and be better at helping them in those baby steps of faith than I would? Like, God uses all of us in this process. So why do we do it? We're in Matthew 28. Pretty straightforward. You probably already guessed where we're going. The last command of Jesus. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority is given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is true for any of us. If we are not involved in regularly sharing the gospel with people and in helping people to grow, that could be your own children, that could be someone who's recently saved, that could be a peer, iron sharpening iron. If we are not involved in that process, we have ignored what Jesus said right before he left. Right? And this isn't the only place that calls us to help people to grow. What are some other verses that you know that call us to be involved in this process with other people? This is, this is the sharing part. I, le I leaned over to Colleen during the music time. You know how Joel probably felt this, like the interludes that Kevin likes in between uh, hymns. I go, see, this is the awkward silence Kevin is okay with. So I'm okay with this one. <laughs> I'm like totally ready to sing that next verse. Interlude. All right, it's good. Yeah, which says what, Danny? Absolutely. Any other verses that you can think of? Yeah, that was the first one. Like, if you go back, I thought of that one. Want to just give us the John Kinder paraphrase of that one? Share these with your children as you're walking by the way, as you're going about your business. Be an example to teach these truths to your children. Yeah, really to fathers. Yep, go ahead. Yeah, so there, there's, even through our singing, we're teaching and, and discipling. I thought of a passage that pertains to older ladies, younger ladies. Think of that one. Yeah, Titus 2, right? That, that relationship, both older men, younger men, but especially in the emphasis in that text on older women <coughs> teaching and helping younger women to grow in their homes. They're all over the place, right? They're part of what we ought to be doing. There's no accident in that. Turn to Colossians chapter 1. I don't want to sugarcoat it, though, 
without reminding us that this sort of investment in the lives of others, it takes time and effort and energy. By the way, can I just ask for my own knowledge as I teach? How many of you have um, gotten the chance to kind of walk through those first steps of faith with someone who's just been saved? How many of you have done that? I figured it would kind of be a mix. Okay, great. How many are willing? No, just kidding. You're here. You're willing. It's great. Colossians 1, verse 28. I love this, uh, these couple of verses on the big picture of Paul's life and ministry. Him we proclaim, speaking about Christ, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, Paul says, struggling with all his energy that powerfully works within me. So when you're meeting with someone or spending time encouraging them, helping them to grow, it does take effort. Even as our community group leaders get together on a weekly basis, you have to, you ought to, put in some time and prepare and pray and be ready. That takes investment. There, there are a lot of great resources out there. I'll talk about these at the end of the lesson. But it actually takes some of your time to be prepared. And, and usually the person who's doing the discipling actually ends up spending more time and effort to be prepared. And so just know that it takes time and effort and work. Right? So does parenting. I was thinking about my own parenting when I read verse 28. Warning everyone and teaching everyone. I feel like that's like parenting, teaching, discipling in a nutshell. But it takes that effort. But what's happening behind the scenes, the same thing Matthew 28 told us, God is working. For this, Paul says, I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. It is an amazing thing as you sit down to talk to someone and help them in their initial steps of growth. They're walking as a baby Christian. It's fascinating to watch the power of God's word. It's actually something that ought to be central in our discipling is that we're with that person or those people that we're discipling, they're reading and studying and they're um, reading God's word for themselves. Because the power is not in your words or your wisdom. Right? This is why you don't have to have been saved a certain number of years to reach someone else. Because the power is not in you. The wisdom's not in you. It's in God's word that you're studying and sharing with that person. So never forget that. Third thing, keep it easy. Go to Hebrews chapter 5. As you're thinking about discipling someone, helping them to grow, Hebrews chapter 5. This is actually a rebuke of the people that Paul's writing to, but I want you to hear the other side of the coin. Paul says in verse 12, For by this time, talking to these Christians, you ought to be teachers. You should have grown to a certain place. But you actually need someone to teach you again the basic principles of God's word, the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. So in this text, Paul's actually telling these people, you ought to be more grown up. 
You ever told a child this? Hey, you're 13, right? You shouldn't be picking your nose. You should be more <laughs> grown up at this point. That doesn't work with a three-year-old. We're working on that, but it's just not an effective line of reasoning with a three-year-old. So Paul's actually saying to these people, you ought to be more grown up than you are. But in doing so, he's actually alluding to the fact that there is a time in a person's faith where they are a child. They are really like those kids learning to walk. And at that point in someone's faith, according to you know, Paul's analogy here, what are they eating or drinking? Tim? Milk. Not solid food. Now, now you ought to ultimately move past that, but that's where people start. Now listen, all of God's word is profitable, but there is milk and there is solid food. And just like a young parent who would be careful in what they feed a child, we should think intentionally about discipling a young believer and how we would help them to learn. Because we could choke them. You could bury them. Right? So, so maybe we can do it this way. What are some things to avoid with someone who has just been saved and that you're trying to help grow? Eschatology. Good answer. It's true. Let me take you to the book of Daniel. Not those beginning chapters. Let's talk about the end. Let's start in Revelation. Probably not. What else should we avoid? By the way, what, what part of eschatology should, should we teach to a, a new Christian? What? Jesus is coming back. You should be ready. Yeah, that, that is digestible by any and all ages. Are there certain books of the Bible that might be not great starting places? What? Leviticus, right? I just want to read through my whole Bible. I'm not saying you should discourage that. Genesis will be great. Exodus may be interesting. Leviticus will probably be a hard stop. But that's okay. Right? Because they're a new believer. Any other places we should avoid? Hebrews, maybe. We were just there today, and I thought, man, that text just tied right into our communion time and what we've been studying in Mark. What are some places where it would be easily digestible and really helpful for a new believer to read and grow? The Gospels, right? Where else? Who said Romans? Okay, why, why would Romans be helpful? Because there are parts of Romans that could be really helpful, Simeon. Okay, and you're actually headed somewhere that we'll go next week. That's an important early stage of discipleship. Why did, why did some of you shake your head when he said Romans? This is good. This is good feedback, by the way. This is not a discouragement. Why could Romans... So Simeon just told us why it could be good. Totally agree. Why could it be challenging? It can be. It can be deep and... So, yeah, there's a lot of deep stuff. But, but does a new believer need to understand sin and uh, Jesus' sacrifice? And are there places in Romans that would be key passages for that new believer? Are there other places that are good for a new believer to start their study? Or places that you've gone with a new Christian? 
who said Proverbs? Somebody said Proverbs. Proverbs, the basics of wisdom. James is a great book on just living out your faith. Philippians can be good. Je- even Genesis, and like to get the foundation of things. Go ahead, John. Interesting. And, and I think in a lot of those, why, why are some of those places like the Gospels and Acts just inherently easier for someone who's just starting? They're stories. And so people are used to reading stories, and so it's a good place to get your feet wet, right? In discipling. But, but whose responsibility is it to think that through? The discipler, right? So you, so you may get to know someone who has some level of a religious background and is really interested in a book like Romans, and you could dig in and walk through them in, with that. But you might get someone who's nowhere near that place. Okay? So as we think about discipling, think about who you're working with, how we can get them started on milk that will give them basic truth that you can start a discussion about. But no matter where you're reading, no matter where you're studying, no matter what tools you're using, at the center of discipling is God's Word. You want them to get the truth of God's Word, the real food for their souls. And as that happens, you're going to see their excitement start to grow. Okay, this is where when you're discipling a new believer, it's actually kind of rebuking to you. Because when you start spending time with someone who's just getting introduced to God's word and the truth that's there, they, they often have this just voracious appetite for what God has to say. And, and what does that often expose about ourselves? Yeah, that we've, we can get used to what we know and get kind of stale and stagnant. Let me encourage you as we think about discipling someone who's new, don't go it alone. There are some great tools out there, right? Because really, I mean, I think about some people in our church who have just recently come to trust Christ. Like, it can be overwhelming, right? But there are great tools out there. I just grabbed one for this series, and it's, uh, it's this long, right? It's like seven lessons, we'll kind of talk about what to talk about and how to disciple a new believer. But it's, you know, it's a couple pages with a lot of space to write. And then that lesson's done. Right? But it's interesting. I was thinking about what Simeon said about where to read. It actually starts in Romans 5. Interestingly. Right? And then, probably not that surprisingly, it goes to Ephesians 2. Right? So... Use the resources that are out there. Uh, I've been in places for a long time that I've used the one on the right, the Nav Press designed for discipleship. It's a great tool to work through. There's also uh, a series called Milk, Meat, Bread, Fish. And that's by Positive Action for Christ. There, there's lots of resources out there. Does anybody have one that you've used that you specifically really liked working through truth with somebody who had just gotten saved? John? You like that one? Okay. Yeah, Bob. You know what? You know why I asked that? Because what we have in here is a wealth of experiences and knowledge and resources. So don't go it alone. There's tools out there. There's relationships. There's past, like as pastors, we would love to help and guide in this process. But, but what our prayer is, is that we would actually dig in life on life on life on life. I heard about a church in Ohio 
that their goal was everyone uh, was in some sort of discipling relationship, so someone that was encouraging them to grow. Their challenge was that everyone was in one evangelistic relationship and that they, on the other side, were helping someone else to grow. Wouldn't that be great? Like if we were all took the responsibility to say, okay, who's, who's challenging me? Where's my iron sharpening iron? Who's, who's pushing me forward? Right? As follow, who am I following as they follow Christ? And then who am I telling about Jesus? Who am I talking to? And then who am I helping to grow? And I know many of you moms are doing that in the trenches every day, right? But, but that's, that's the heartbeat of it. And so I just want to remind us that, that this is what we're about. This is actually what Jesus left us to do. You say, I know that. Are you doing it? This book is not complicated. Right? I mean, the truth that Danny taught us today was pretty straightforward. You're a sinner and it comes from inside of you. And if you look at your own heart, you can see that plain as day. And actually, we should stop stressing to the degree that we do about all these external things. And we should start coming to Jesus with the stuff that's in our heart and ask him to cleanse us and change us. The truth of we should be talking to someone about Jesus and we should be helping each other grow. It's not rocket science. But it's easy to kind of stick on the back shelf while we get smarter about the Bible and forget that it's exactly what God has called us to do every single day. So let's get started. You say, I don't know where. There's great resources. There's great helps. You say, I don't know who. You should come talk to us. I w- I, it would be so exciting to watch here at Gospel Hope of life on life on life on life. And, and by the way, it doesn't all have to be a curriculum. Right? Like your discipleship relationship might be meeting with someone to read one of the Psalms together. But you can do it. God hasn't called superhero Christians. He's called all of us into the work every single day. Lord, we thank you for calling us into helping others to grow. And we're thankful that you've given us your word and you've promised us your power. God, we need that. We feel very insufficient and fearful ourselves. And so we just pray that as we strive to follow you, that you would use your truth through us in the lives of others. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.